Amen. Let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 17, titled, Prayer with Confidence in Final Salvation. Simply, it's just a prayer of David. We can't place it in its specific time of David's life. There's so many different possible points where it would connect with his circumstances. Um, but we see just remarkable trust in God. Something that we need to just be reminded to do every second of every day. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to myself or I'm talking to others or we're the elders, we're talking and just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. We got to trust the Lord. We just got to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. It's just the theme of the scriptures is just the people of God trusting in God. Old Testament and new. And uh, we have a lack of confidence in self here. And we see a, a wonderful heavenly hope here. Um, but also as we're going through it, see if you can catch just the picture of Jesus in his life uh, and, and also in his glorification here uh, and also a picture of believers in Christ. starts out, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. So, uh, you know, David's starting out praying that this seems like it's a pretty uh, just prayer here. Like I'm looking at my life and I seem, it seems like I'm in a trial right now and I seem like I'm, it seems like I'm kind of the good one in this trial. Like I'm the good one and whoever my enemies are, are the bad ones. And so, you know, here, here a just cause. I'm going to bring a just cause as I'm praying, as I'm crying to the Lord. Uh, as far as I know, I'm praying right now not with deceitful lips. And in that, let my vindication come from your presence. That that vindication speaks of you're, you're kind of released from blame. Any accusations against you, you're able to just kind of say, hey, like I'm I'm righteous in this situation. I'm I'm not the wicked one in this situation. I've been justified. You know, I've been freed, acquitted in any accusation or any wrongs that I'm being accused of. And that comes from the presence of the Lord, as always. Our vindication, our justification, our rightness or righteousness, this is not something that we have inherently. It comes from the presence of the Lord. Uh, let your eyes look on things that are upright, verse 2 says. Uh, kind of a paraphrase of this. Uh, these verses are, Lord, I believe my cause is just, and I have searched my own heart for any deceit, Yet I wait for your vindication, and I want you to do and to promote what is right. And if I'm not on your side, move me so that I am. Something we're going to see in these first few verses is, so far as I'm praying, like, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm good in praying this. But just in case I'm not, and maybe I'm in error some way, Lord, you know my heart. Um... You know, the very next verse says, you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried or examined me and found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Uh, and so just this, so far, just everything seems like I'm good. Even, you've even tested my heart. 
I like that um, you visited me in the night. Like, aren't those kind of the places where it all quiets down and we're able to really reflect on things, you know? Um, seems like I find that more and more, like, the older I get, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not sleeping like I used to, you know? I've got all this stuff on my mind. And uh, and just that's a good place for the just us to have that prayer. Because a lot of times the stuff that's on my mind is like, I'm right. I'm right. And whatever's coming against me is wrong. But to have the Lord test us in those night times and visit us and speak to us in the night. And praise God, there have been times where he's said, you know, just this, this is an area where it just wasn't total 100% righteousness on your part. You know, and he speaks in those quiet places. Um, uh, someone, I'll just let you guys speak out. Someone read Psalm 139, 23 through 24 as it comes on the screen. We're working with our screen right now. Um, something happened a few months ago where it wasn't fitting the whole screen. Uh, so we've been trying to work on a glitch to fix that again. So please uh, fix this. Is that skipping something there? Or is that really, that just starts out, know my heart with a lowercase k. <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't we flip there then? It seems like we're going to have issues with it. Uh, this is Psalm 139, 23 through 24. guess whoever's the first one there can read it out. I'm so thankful for those songs that have come from Scripture, you know, that we sing. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, there was a song that, well, that was not it. I'll tell you whatever. <laughs> There was a, a song from this in, in that I sang in high school with my youth group, and those are so great because they just help implant the word in your heart, and I can't tell you how many times this is applied to just life in those night visits from the Lord. Uh, search my heart, Lord. Um, uh, uh, try me and know all those worries, all those anxieties, and if there's any wicked way in me, lead me in the way of everlasting. And from my high school days, I've always had a picture of almost like a radar screen on my heart whenever I've read that psalm and it's like spinning around, spinning around and boop, boop, you know, who did it? Someone did it. Who was that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, you know it. Like, we think we're all good, right? Like, all's clear, I'm righteous in this. Like, I'm I'm good. And then the Lord would just boop, do that little bloop, you know, on our heart. And isn't it interesting when he does that I, I can remember times getting in a fight with my wife and like, I am right in this. Like, this is maybe the one time. Oh no. Look who just walked in. Let me finish. Okay. Like literally thinking this is the one time in my marriage that I've been right. And this is it. Like, Oh, like I am right in this. And then the, Yeah. It doesn't stop there, though. And then, but then just hearing words from, like, pastors and marriage counseling and just gospel-centered preaching and all of this of, like, well, why don't you bring that before the Lord and just ask me? Just ask me. Sure seems like all is right. Just ask me, is there any way that I was wrong in this? Just, and then, blah, like, my balloon has popped and, and it just, there's error. Um, even in some of the angry emails that I get or the harsh text messages or the, the, you know, the, maybe the unpleasant conversations, something that my pastor Rob always told me, 
was Rory, when you get those, and maybe you just be like, oh, 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 <laughs> he goes, just ask the Lord, Lord, is there any truth in it? Because maybe 95% is wrong, but is there any, any truth in it? And something you can learn from it. And you know what? There's been many times that there's been something, there's been something that, that I could learn that I'm not the source of all righteousness, you know, and, and that individual is not the source of all evil, you know? Uh, and, and so Lord, just do anything in my heart to show me where I've been in error so that I can be humbled and so that I can be cleansed, set right, repent and go to my brother and repent to them. Uh, where that might be the case. It's rare, but, you know, yeah, I think we guys know. Uh, Guzik writes, this wonderful prayer, to know one's own heart and hidden motives and sins is the kind of thing that David prayed before he prayed this psalm. He comes to God in Psalm 17 with some confidence through a tested conscience. We can have confidence after the Lord has tested us you know and and just praise god you guys like i think we've already confessed like we're not the source of righteousness uh you know but just that the lord has kept us kind of in this last season of rough stuff in the church and and coming out of that which has been such a breath of fresh air but just we're elders when we get together we just lord show us where we're in error lord test us show us convict us we don't want to move forward in error or, or, you know, someone is disgruntled and we want to say, Lord, where there's air, show us air. And you know what? We're not, a par- we're not far enough to, to say that, that we're still out of that, that maybe the Lord still would show us um, air or way we've sinned against people. But we're just praising God that he's still got us at a place where we can say, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in us. Like, like we need that, Lord. We need your help um, because the elders and the deacons and every one of us here, we don't got the market on like righteousness. We need you, Lord, who has the market on righteousness. Um, and, but then being able to move forward with, uh, as, it, as it said there in that quote, a tested conscience um, in many of the dialogues and be able to say, man, just Praise God that we've been able to just say, Lord, show us where we're wrong. And just, we want to be humbled in that. Um, Job 23, 10. Uh, we, got, we got at least this back. Someone read Job 23, 10. So purify us, God. Don't just show us what we've done wrong and then like, well, now we know what we've done wrong, but there's not going to be any repentance of that. But Lord, purify us. Bring repentance. Uh, bring the purity of gold. And um Verse 4 and 5 of our psalm tonight. Someone read verses 4 and 5. We'll just do these together. And then it's interesting, that last verse Ken read, Uphold my steps in whose paths? In the Lord's paths. That's kind of an interesting prayer, isn't it? Like we're not on the paths of the enemy, and so we need the Lord to hold our path or hold our feet. It's we're on the Lord's paths. Hold our feet on the Lord's paths. And then um, that my footsteps may not slip. Spurgeon says, what slip in God's ways? Yes, the road is good, but our feet are evil and therefore slip even on the king's highway. So as just God's moving us forward and higher up and further in as a church, as a family, as a people, Lord, just 
going towards you, Lord. We're going towards you. Keep our evil feet from slipping, Lord. From That's what backsliding is. You guys have heard the term backsliding. And Jeremiah the prophet, the Lord speaks through Jeremiah and says, Return to me and I will heal your backslidings. But that word black, black backslidings, it speaks of an animal sliding back in its own feces. And those of you that are cattle ranchers, you know, we remember those days of loading the trucks and it's a rainy slick day or there's ice and those, those cattle are slipping and falling down in their own junk, you know, uh, it's gross, but that's really what backsliding is. It's the dog going back to his own vomit. It's the cow slipping in his own dung. You know, it's that it's our sin. And, uh, and yet the Lord can keep our feet. Does anybody feel like that's for them tonight? Like God has brought me to a place that, that I'm, I'm on his highway. I'm on the King's highway, but I just sense the enemy trying to get my feet to slip. Is there anybody? Me neither. Good. None of us. That's probably one of those tough confessing things like, nope, I'm good. Man, if that's you before the end of the night, man, let's pray for you. Because the enemy doesn't want us walking in holiness and purity and in his light. And he wants us slipping and sliding downhill in our own junk. And it's okay to just be like, he's after me. He's after me. I need prayer that my feet would be held up on, on his path. Oh, Teresa's saying, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. And what does it say in 1 Corinthians 10? Yeah, you're totally right. And so right, the second you said that, I think of 1 Corinthians 10 about if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. <laughs> you know, like, no, I'm never going to backslide. Um, It's like when you're up on a tall ladder and someone's like, you want me to hold that ladder for you? No, I'm good. You know? Someone needs to go hold that ladder for you, <laughs> you know? Great word, Teresa. Yeah, man, is there not a single one of us? I suppose my question's a little more like, are you just sensing that that the enemy's after you, you know, and uh, we can pray for you tonight? You know what? We forgive you. <laughs> I can't be hard on a guy that just apologized, even if it's Ken. Um, Psalm 119, 133, the longest chapter in the Bible towards the end of it. Who wants to read this? So we see by that how our steps are kept on his path by the word of God. And we see what's trying to have us slip out of it. It's, it's iniquity. It's sin. Uh, verses 6 and 7 of our psalm tonight. Psalm 15, uh, 17, 6 and 7. Someone read those. Awesome. Uh, I'll call on you, Paul, for verse 8 here in just a second. But I know you don't care. Um, listen to this, this. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Here's what Spurgeon says about this loving kindness. Do you not see that you have been a marvelous sinner? Marvelously ungrateful have you been? Marvelously have you aggravated your sins? Marvelously did you kick against a mother's tears? Marvelously did you defy a father's counsel? Marvelously have you laughed at death? Marvelously have you made a covenant with death and a league with hell? Oh, saith he, God will never have mercy on me. It is too great a thing to hope, too great a wonder to expect. Young man, here is a new prayer for you. Show thy marvelous loving kindness. I love that because it contrasted the marvelous loving kindness with every other way we've failed marvelously. I've never even thought of marvelous as being like an adjective for something bad. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a kind of a play on words there. But... um, 
yeah, those of us that are marvelous sinners, let's come and just begin praying out. Show us your marvelous loving kindness. And I was reading in one of my studies today that that loving kindness word uh, speaks of like covenantal love. Uh, the love that the Lord has given us, the love that we read about this week in 1 Samuel 18 and 1 Samuel 20 that Jonathan and David had for one another. That you know, I like the chapter 21. It says that uh, Jonathan compelled David to make a covenant with him because of the love that they had for one another. You know, and uh, that's that's this uh, loving kindness comes out of that type of um, covenant, covenantal love. Show me your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Right hand speaking of strength. Um, I have this underlined in my notes tonight uh, that Easy just read, Oh, you who save those who trust in you. So just again, just this concept of trusting in the Lord. How important that is. Uh, Blaine, what's the reference for he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. I knew that you knew the reference for that. Isaiah 26.3. Yeah, gosh, is that a good verse to memorize? And maybe this one too. Oh, you who save those who trust in you. And then what is that? Isaiah 26.3. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. So what about those times that we are laying in bed and our eyes are wide open and we're eating anxious bread? Are those in times that we're trusting the Lord? Or do we have the perfect peace because we trust in you? Yeah. Kind of dumb, but every time I thought about that whole, I'm over it now, by the way, but the whole gun thing that I told you guys about on Sunday like when it happened, I was in the kitchen right after, you know, and I was just like, ah, ah. like, I was like, I got to make some lunch. And I literally was like eating anxious bread, you know, it, this, this just happened. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd hear the comfort of the Lord and the Lord speaking. And there'd be like this soothing balm to my heart. And then I'd let myself go back to taking it upon my shoulders again. And, and I told Lindsay just that, you know, I feel like the Lord is almost letting me hear what my dad would be saying on this side of eternity about the dumb gun, you know, and selling it for 50 stinking bucks when I might have gotten a couple grand out of it, you know. If you don't know the story, that's what happened this week. And uh, and and I'm, I keep going back to it, and I keep taking the burden on myself, and then the Lord's like, here's what I'm telling you, and here's even what your dad would be telling you. And Lindsay just spoke in the car, and she just goes, that's because you keep taking it back. You keep taking it back. The Lord's trying to comfort you, and you keep, and you know what? I almost enjoyed taking it back. I almost enjoyed worrying about it and being anxious. You know, there was almost like this sick and twisted pleasure in it, you know, but it was, but it was painful. And, and just the, you know, the Lord has just taken it, you know? Um, but, uh, trust in the Lord. And I kept saying to myself, trust him, just trust him, just trust him. It's a good thing to say, isn't it? Just trust him. You guys remember that, uh, around Halloween time, Lainey watched Michael Jackson's thriller video. You know, she's like five and Russell had seen it at school and I didn't know what it was. And I thought, you know, they showed it at school. Yeah, they showed it at school. So it's, so Lainey couldn't go into another room by herself for like a long time. And we're talking like the next, like right here, you know? And so we developed this little code of 
Like, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And now she still brings that up. Like, I'm done of it. I'm not afraid of zombies anymore, you know. Uh, but because, remember, Dad? Remember? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Trust the Lord. Is she back there? Lainey, what do we do? You remember? Did you hear what I was saying? Yeah. <laughs> Poor pastor's kids get to be sermon illustrations. Uh, verse 8, Paul, read it out, buddy. Okay. Look at, what version was that? NLT, awesome. Check this out. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Kind of like that. You know, it speaks of the pupil. Um, it can also mean daughter. Okay, so, you know, when we kind of refer to our children as the apple of our eye, you know, but it, it can be translated daughter. Keep me as your daughter. I have one daughter. She's my precious little laner girl. And those of you, I mean... I never knew what all those dads were talking about back in high school about this is my one little girl or this is my little girl, you know. Now I know. I'm like zealous for my little girl, you know. Lord, keep me as as a father would keep his little girl. As as the one that he would keep, the one that he has pleasure in. One man says, look at the, uh, keep me as, as or it shows us how God views the preciousness of, of his people. We are just precious. Um, Deuteronomy references this. Uh, he calls Israel the apple of his eye. Um, Spurgeon says, no part of the body is more precious, more tender, and more carefully guarded than the eye. And of the eye, no portion more peculiarly to be protected than the central apple, the pupil or as the Hebrew call it, the daughter of the eye. The all-wise creator has placed the eye in a well-protected position. It stands surrounded by protecting bones, like Jerusalem encircled by mountains. Moreover, its great author has surrounded it with many tunics of inward covering. Besides the hedge of the eyebrows, the curtain of the eyelids, and the fence of the eyelashes, and in addition to this, he's given to every man so high a value for his eyes and so quick an apprehension of danger that no, that no member of the body is more faithfully cared for than the organ of sight. <laughs> kind of like that. It's just like that protected vault, like ching, 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 ching. You know, it's got all these things um, to help protect it. One too many Disney cartoons of things closing to protect the safe. But... Um, to be kept as the apple of the eye means to kept to be kept under many guards of protection. So, Lord, keep me under many guards of protection. To always be kept safe. To be kept from even the small things like dust. Isn't that what this is for? And even, I don't know, but where's our biologist Johnny at? You know, the, like it's supposed to keep dust out of our eye. In fact, we were, Dan and I were sawing yesterday. You were sawing with the table saw, Dan. And it's just like... Pfft. And, and I was like, protect, I was like, these things are supposed to protect me from that, you know, and, and it did. I don't know if it protected Dan's, but um, probably get a workman's comp claim from him as he's helping me on my garage. But uh, it, keep, it speaks of to always be kept sensitive and tender, to be kept clear and unobstructed, to be kept as something beautiful and, imminent, and eminently useful. So Lord, keep us in all those ways. Don't you like that? Lord, to keep us clear and unobstructed. Keep us from the small things like dust particles. Uh, keep us beautiful. Uh, eyes are so beautiful. Keep us beautiful and useful. 
Um, and then the, the verse ends there, uh, hide me under the shadow of your wings. I think it was last Wednesday we talked about that, uh, finding refuge like under the wings of, of, a, of a bird, the chicks underneath the wings. Uh, Horn writes, taken together, these two phrases are powerful picture of God's care for his people. He who has so fenced and guarded that precious and tender part, the pupil of the eye, and he who has provided for the security of a young and helpless brood under the wings of their d- dam, is that something? I don't know. <laughs> got to proofread these old preachers, uh, is here entreated to extend the same providential care and parental love to the souls of his elect. Uh, somebody read verse 9 and 10. So uh, guard, you know, kind of that picture of guarding the eyes. Cheek, 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 cheek. Uh, from the wicked who oppress me. So we have just the fallen condition focus here. We've got wicked people. We've got deadly enemies. Um, these people are pushing hard against us. They're surrounding us. These are real threats. And you know, David knew what he was writing about. He's talking about dudes that are trying to kill him. Like, there's some legit threat when he's <laughs> crying out to the Lord here. Um, but all of these fears become prayers. And one man said, fear, fears that become prayers are already more than half conquered. The minute we take those things to the Lord in prayer, already half conquered. Uh, Boyce quotes a Bible teacher who uh, was in the habit of quoting a certain prayer whenever troubles were coming against him. And he would pray, Lord, your property is in danger. Lord, your property is in danger here. Um, they have closed up their, did you read verse 10 too? They've closed up their fat hearts, speaking insensitive or calloused hearts. They, they feel nothing. Uh, they speak proudly. Jason, see if you can bring up just what I just posted on Facebook before uh, I got here about Nepal. It's like a Nepal thing. We're going to show that in just a sec. Um, please. And... Um, so they've got fat hearts. We don't need to read it, but Ezekiel speaks of Sodom and Gomorrah. And one of the things that led to their nasty sins that brought judgment was that they were just overly fat in abundance and luxury. And, uh, and that's one thing that's wonderful about times of fasting is we're able to push aside the luxury and the fleshly comforts and just seek the Lord for a while. Um, Someone read verses uh, 11 through 15. My goal was to be really quick tonight because I owe you guys big time. So (laughs) we're just going to read these verses and we're going to be almost done. Somebody read these 11 through 15. (sighs) This so reminded me of Psalm 10. um, Speaking of the wicked one. And it says, uh, he sits in the lurking places of the villages In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Just, and that verse has just sunk into my heart when we studied it seven weeks ago or whatever, uh, because that was right when, um, 
like the next week the Nepal earthquake happened. And then just, it was almost like we were, we knew it would happen. It's not anything special prophecy, but like we just began talking like the sex traffickers are going to be out just like that. The lion that's just out there lurking in the villages and the helpless little girl whose whole family just got, had a building collapse on her and they're just going to go and pounce on her and, and, uh, and traffic her. And just the number already, that's just happened. Just those traffickers came out and just sex trafficking has gone up. Uh, men taking little girls as, as wives, uh, that percentage has just gone through the roof. Um, you know, the rent of houses and stuff that supply and demand, like we're going to be able to charge just outlandish prices for any sort of shelter. And so people are without shelter and, and that Psalm in, in 10 closes the same way this one does in the sense that he says, arise, O Lord, arise. And in Psalm 10, he says, like, break their arm. That means break their strength, break it. And, you know, that's still happening. I think this is just completely something we need to pray over in our closing tonight is break the arm. Do you guys remember that when we prayed that some seven to, to nine weeks ago when we were here? I don't know if you guys remember. It's just in my heart. Break their arm. They have no strength. These traffickers that are mafia run, you know, that only God can be the one that, that stops them, you know, uh, and pray that he does it even through gospel transformation and the ringleaders. But um, we're going to show just another thing in just a second here. But real quick, uh, just had a, a, you know, just a phone call, good phone call uh, today. And, and there was like someone just said, hey, did you say this about me? And, and I was like, no, like, that is like a total lie. Someone said that we've said this, like, that is just a total lie. And, and, uh, heard one the other day is like, yeah, all you elders have said this and, and, and like complete and total, like people are upset with us. And so they're making up lies and it's just like, man, it's like one thing to be like, I just disagree with where you guys are at and. But, but we just see how like the enemy and, and today Aaron and I prayed it. It's like, it's not the people that are enemies, but the wicked one wants to not only destroy our church, but to destroy the churches in town. And, and just to where we would just begin fabricating like full blown lies. Um, and you know, Aaron and I were talking and I was just studying and I just said, Aaron, I need to just read our psalm tonight over us. And even our conversation, we just need to give this to the Lord, you know. Because um, this is, it's not any person. It's the wicked one. It's, you know, and he could totally come in and do the same thing. That's why we always have to be like, we may not be the just ones here, Lord. We might not be the just ones. So see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Um, but it's just, you know, this group here on Wednesday nights, you know, I think they're people we can be trusted and we can be praying just that the Lord would like expose lies, you know, and, um, but just in the same way that we're seeing this in Nepal where the wicked one is trying to pounce on, uh, you know, and, and steal and kill and destroy the way he does. Um, it happens locally too. It happens in our church and it happened before the last six, eight months, you know, um, I can tell you four years ago, I can tell you five years ago, the enemy was about his same old hijinks, you know, but, um, you know, let's just, uh, let's intercede just like, Lord, you, you got to come and just expose how many times in the Psalm have we seen that, uh, you know, a wicked man will be digging a pit for us 
and and David prays, let him fall in his own pit, and um, just Lord, just let them, let it just be seen, you know. I made up a lie, and oh, let let the lie be the pit they fall in, you know, and it just would be exposed. Um, so nothing to be afraid of, nothing like that. It was so good in our conversation. Like, did you say that about that person? No, did, uh, that's just crazy, <laughs> you know. Well, we got to just go to the Lord and pray. We just said because. It's just the hijinks of the wicked one. Um, but, you know, verse 14 spoke about, you know, these people are, they get filled up with kind of the fatness from the land. They find their portion in this life and just, um, you know, whether it's who David's praying about or just, you know, he's just saying they're satisfied with the stuff here. Um, I had to reread this a couple different times because it seemed like these guys were in, you know, the Lord was giving us, giving him these things. And I think it was Spurgeon that likened it to, you know, a man that would give even a, a rabid dog a bone, you know, and it's like the Lord, he gives common grace to people. He fills their belly with treasury. They get satisfied with children, all of these things. But the next verse, verse 15, contrasts it with a heavenly minded person. Uh, David says, as for me, I'm not going to find all my portion in this life. I want to be Heavenly minded, see your face in righteousness. Um, I'll be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. And 